Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello, everyone. This is Between the Numbers, episode four. Today, it is going to be kind of a different episode. It's going to be much more of a freeform recording uh, because honestly, right now, there are just a bunch of questions and notes that uh, maybe don't, you know, demand a, an entire episode to themselves. But I figured this could be a good uh, chance to somewhat empty the notebook on a bunch of different little notes. And we'll go through them, spend a few minutes on each of them. And yeah, hopefully it'll be a good time. Um also, a quick announcement for Between the Numbers. I have finally settled on a schedule. Uh, I will be releasing uh, Between the Numbers every Monday, every other Monday. So there should be an episode every two weeks. Uh, I wish I could crank these out more frequently. However, between work and uh, personal uh, life, um, I found that this schedule was uh, a good setup. But in any case, here we are uh, getting into the subjects for today. I think one of the most pressing matters in the past few days has been who will fill in at closer. Now, we saw Felix Bautista leave um, the game against the Rockies a couple of days ago with injury. Um, and... That's a huge blow, admittedly. Um, I think it's very difficult to replace the best closer in baseball. However, thankfully, the Orioles have a couple of exciting arms in the pen who I think could fill in reasonably well. Um, before getting to those names, I do want to put forward the following sentiment, which I think might sound a little bit outlandish uh, to some people, but I think... 
for the season that we are looking at, which is 2023, I think it can be very reasonably argued that Felix Bautista has been the best player on the 2023 Orioles. And that's saying a lot, given that this is a team on a uh, approximately a 100-win pace. He has been ridiculously good, and it's a devastating loss. Um, it's really sad to see a guy who honestly just, I feel like, represents the organization so well go down. Hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs because that is when we'll need him most and when, really, I think he could shine the brightest. Um, but in any case, I think... Um, the role of closer will be filled in somewhat by committee. I, I sort of alluded to this in the WhatsApp group. I was messaging about this. Uh, but the reason I say this is because I think when you're looking at a closer, you really want to prioritize, I would say, three main things. First, you want to have electric stuff. That already whittles down the list in the bullpen of who can really fit that bill. Then you want guys who don't give up too many home runs. I think that's pretty logical. Home runs are, are the quickest way to give up a lead. And then guys who don't walk too many hitters. I think it's very difficult to find someone in the bullpen who, who meets those three criteria and is also good or equally good, or at the very least elite against uh, hitters from both sides of the plate. So I think what we could see is something where we have a primary closer who will come in most of the time when when they are facing, let's say, at least two of the upcoming three batters or righties, and then a lefty specialist closer who might come in when there are, you know, uh, two lefties in the next three uh, hitters for the opposing team. So the names I would put forward for the righty closer would be Yenier Cano. I think he is ridiculous against righties. He has a 229 Woba against them. Uh, he has a 23.2% K minus BB rate. Um, for anyone wondering, any value above 20% is pretty elite. And that's what he's done season long. He is devastating against righties. If you think of it, he has a ridiculous sinker, um, and sinkers generally play best to hitters with um, who hit from the same side as the pitcher throws. So righties are naturally going to have a tough time with such an elite sinker. Uh, yet Cano definitely has electric stuff. I mean, he's throwing in a bowling ball at 96, 97, uh, a disgusting changeup, which actually blends really well with the sinker. So it's actually... One of those rare change-ups, which actually works really well, righty on righty. And then he's also got a slider, which has been improving in the past month. So I think his toolkit works really well against righties and will allow him to be shut down in most of those situations. Um, I will, a quick note on him, if anybody has checked his stuff plus, it actually wouldn't say that he has electric stuff, but the reason... Uh, for that, as explained by Eno Saris a, a couple of times, I believe, in, in the past few months, is because uh, the Stuff Plus machine learning model has no other um, reasonable pitcher to, to compare him to. So it kind of compares him to uh, 
true side armors and submarine pitchers, uh, none of whom throw as hard as he does or from an arm slot uh, as high as he does. So he has a, a very, very unique fastball. It's a unicorn fastball. And uh, so, yeah, that's the guy who I put forth to face mainly righties. The guy I would throw out there against lefties is Shintaro Fujinami. Now, that one might catch some people by surprise because he is a right-handed pitcher. However, I would say this. His repertoire is elite against left-handed hitters because his splitter works so much better against lefties. Um, if we look at his numbers against lefties as a reliever, and so I just did a quick filter looking, since June 1st, he has a 229 WOBA against lefties. He has a 40% strikeout rate, an 8% walk rate. I mentioned 20% or higher is pretty elite for strikeout minus walk rate. His strikeout minus walk rate against lefties is 32% since he's really converted into a reliever. He isn't walking that many of them, and I think a big reason of that is, for that is because he can turn to that pitch, which he he is quite confident in, which is his splitter. That's not a pitch he really can turn to as much against right-handed hitters, and I think his fastball also might play better against lefties. Uh, I think he's he's a pretty true reverse splits guy, and he certainly fits the electric stuff criteria. Uh, against lefties, he doesn't have a high a ridiculously high walk rate, and he's not giving up too many home runs. He's pumping the fastball and at 100 consistently. And honestly, I think it could be his time to shine. I don't think there will be too, too many situations where, you know, two of the, at least two of the upcoming hitters are going to be lefties in a safe situation. So I don't think we'll necessarily see him in this role too much. But I think if a situation like this does come up, uh, I would love to see Fujinami uh, do his thing. Um, he is, you know, I think if you look at the surface numbers, it's very easy to to kind of scoff at this notion, but he is kind of, um, you know, if you were to combine him and Yenir Kano, um, you'd kind of get one uber elite uh, reliever. Uh, because Cano is dominant dominant against righties, Fujinami is dominant against lefties, um, and I, I just I'm a big believer in the guy. I think the trade will come good. Um, I know there's a lot of skepticism with him, um, but I would say hang on because this guy has a ridiculous arm, and I think he could be a really really big piece in the next two months, two, three months, uh, or however long the playoffs last. Um, I will say, um, I think this is also a, a crucial month for Danny Coulomb. He's a guy who has been excellent against hitters from both left side and right side. Um, Stuff Plus loves him, and he has just really been such an amazing pickup. Uh, this little shout out to him is is really just that it's just a shout out to say how awesome he's been how how essential he has been to the Orioles bullpen this season and hopefully that'll that'll continue as the season winds down and as we head into the playoffs so moving on to the next topic it's just a couple of quick notes on Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish um 
I know a lot of us have looked at the Orioles rotation coming into the year and looking at it last year and even deep into the season. You know, I think a lot of us have clamored for top of the rotation starters. And I think we are looking at them um, right in front of us. We have a really high upside one-two punch with Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez right now. To put this into perspective, how electric they've been, since the start of July, they are both in the top five for Stuff Plus in starting pitchers. Uh, that is ridiculous and really, really, really impressive. These are two guys who have elite stuff. Um, Kyle Bradish has, honestly, I would say, at, at the very least, two-plus breaking balls. But I, I would maybe even go as far as to say he has 270-grade breaking balls um, or close to it. That is how good they are. Bradish also has, I would say, a, a changeup that plays out to be at least average, a sinker that's, I would say, at least average. And the four-seamer has actually improved as the season has gone on, at least by Stuff Plus metrics and actually also by results. Um, he's reduced the usage of it. He's tweaked it a little bit. He's leaned further into the cutter nature of it, increasing its depth and and adding a little bit of cut to it. And I think that has let it kind of play to its strength rather than, than trying to make his four-seamer into this really uh, hoppy four-seamer, which I think a lot of Orioles pitchers have throughout the organization. Um, and I think, you know, now we're looking at a guy who no longer seems to have that huge fastball issue that we all talked about um, early on in the season. This is a guy who's throwing a, a pretty nasty. I mean, at this point, I'm, I, I'd almost just call it a cutter. He's throwing a pretty nasty four seam cutter. He's throwing a really solid sinker. Both of them in the mid 90s. Uh, great velocity kind of a unique-ish arm slot. Not too many guys that are over the top like him uh, who are starters. Great breaking balls. Um, can throw strikes, which I think is something that has been a really awesome development. I don't think a lot of us, as he was coming up through the minor leagues, thought that he was going to be as good at throwing strikes as he has been. And I think it's just a really, really exciting pitcher i think also the the pitch mix has changed as the season has gone on relying more on the sinker turning less to the four seamer and just letting those ridiculously good breaking balls and that you know league average ish change up uh do some more of the heavy lifting it's been honestly an absolute pleasure uh to watch his development this season and and i think you're looking at i don't think necessarily a true number one but i think you're looking at a guy with kind of a uh a true type of top of the rotation number two starter uh upside and future um which is huge for the orioles of course then there's also grayson he looks like an ace and i i i say that with you know ace with a capital a this guy has everything you would want. Um, and it's just been amazing to see how he has 
evolved over the course of the season and just how how different he is after his little reset at AAA. Um, it's also crazy to think that his velocity has just increased as the season has gone on. Um, and honestly, at this point, you just let him do his thing. I am a little worried about, you know, how many innings he's throwing, but I, I honestly think, you know, if the Orioles have any chance of winning playoff series, they're going to need a guy like Grayson Rodriguez to do what he's been doing. Um, a big key for Grayson is I think it's just, you know, I think simplifying the pitch mix really, I think that could help him kind of slow the game down a little bit and just kind of turn to what made him the number one pitching prospect in baseball, what made him a guy who so many believed could become a true ace. Um, and that's what we've seen. You know, he's just been turning to his bread and butter. His four-seamer, his slider, and his changeup, uh, since he came back up from AAA, have accounted for more than 90% of the pitches he's thrown. And I think that that has gone a long way. Just, you know, trusting your stuff and letting the stuff play. It's been awesome. I think, yeah, I, I know there might have been some, some doubts and, and maybe some slight uh, fear uh, for what Grayson's ceiling um, was um, when we saw him struggle in the big leagues early on. But I think f seeing what we're seeing, there's no doubt. This is a guy who has top of the rotation upside. He is ridiculous. And I'm excited to see what he and Bradish can do at the front of the rotation for years to come. And as we go into the playoffs, it should be really exciting. Um the next note, it's just a quick one on Ryan Mountcastle. So, of course, he went on the IL with Vertigo. He missed about a month. He came back uh, on July 9th. And since then, he has been ridiculous. He has been Barry Bonds-esque uh, in terms of his numbers. And, of course, besides um, dealing with the Vertigo issue, I think you're also seeing that Mountcastle took that time on the injured list while he was dealing with vertigo. Uh, I think he and the Orioles coaches worked to really try and drill in something that we've seen uh, the Orioles preach throughout the minor leagues, which is just pitch selection, waiting for your pitch. And so what we're seeing since Mountcastle came back is a very patient hitter, a hitter who is, far more composed, way, way less of a free swinger. And, you know, just a quick few notes. He has a career high in his rolling 30-game walk rate, up over 10% right now. He has reduced his strikeout rate close to a career low, and he's swinging less. He's, he's waiting for his pitch. His swing rate is down um, by about five or more percentage points, which is really significant. And actually, I was looking at, at some of his um, heat maps, his swing charts earlier today, and what, what I saw was that I think the biggest key is that Mountcastle's, I'll call it his wheelhouse, is down and in and kind of middle in and middle middle. 
he covers that area really well. But up until his Vertigo IL stint, the Mountcastle we saw throughout his career was a guy who swung pretty freely at things on the outside half of the play, things that were down and away, things that were down. And so he's come back, and actually what we've seen is he has pretty much stopped swinging at breaking balls uh, in the lower third of the plate. And so he's when he's swinging at breaking balls, he's looking at pitches that are bell high, pitches that are middle in, where he can do a lot of damage uh, on those pitches. And we've also just seen a general decline in his swing rate for all pitch types and all areas of the plate, except the areas that are in his wheelhouse. And what we've seen was that is that Mount Castle's contact rate, which historically has already been very good. This is a guy who, who has been good at putting the bat on the ball uh, has increased to, you know, above average um, to excellent rates, honestly. He, he makes contact a really good amount of the time. Um, and if these changes stick, I mean, this is a really exciting change. I feel like that this is the, the perfect example of what has made, you know, the, the past two years um, so, so exciting. Um, as an Orioles fan, I would say I'll, I'll even extend it to 2021 with um, Mullins's breakout is that it feels like every year you have guys who just kind of change pretty drastically in the organization. And I think it just says a lot about how how good the coaching in the in the organization is and and honestly how how capable they are at getting players to buy into the organizational philosophies, which is not something that can be said for for many organizations um, in baseball and honestly outside of baseball even, you know, that's, it's, it's very difficult to communicate a message very clearly from top to bottom. And I think the Orioles have done a great job of that. Uh, the next note, I, I think, you know, in the last um, between the numbers episode, which was actually um, an episode on the, on the verge main feed, uh, you know, we talked about how it looked like Austin Hayes was injured. Well, it looks like he's healthy again because he is crushing the baseball and he has been essential to the Orioles' success in August. Um, now, Hayes, I think, is somewhat of an underrated player to some extent. Uh, I, I still stand by what I said in the podcast. I still think he could be crowded out of the Orioles' future plans um, this offseason. He might get traded. But I do think he's a guy who, who as frustrating as he is to watch, um, and I'm guilty of this myself, I feel like sometimes I, I, I have a bit of an urge to, to get on his case a little bit. I do think it's a guy who... Who does has a who does have a, a, a unique skill set which maybe isn't easily captured by you know the the lollipops on on baseball savant for example um for one he is you know i, I mentioned 
um, Mountcastle has, has a very good natural ability to put the bat on the ball. Hayes has a excellent ability to put the bat on the on the baseball. Uh, I would say some of his issues come from, um, you know, I think a lot of the time they come from probably playing through injury. I think last season there is some evidence that maybe he was playing through injury when he slumped as badly as he did. This season there's honestly, I would say fairly convincing evidence that he played through injury while he was slumping. Uh, but yeah, this is a guy who who makes contact on pitches in the zone. He makes contact about you know, close to 90% of the time when he swings, which is honestly excellent. And, and one of those things that you don't really see on baseball savant because it's not really captured by, you know, chase Ray or, um, or, you know, it's not perfectly captured by expected batting average and whatnot, but, you know, he does have a unique skill set, a valuable skill set. I would also say, I, I, I'm pretty certain the Orioles internal defensive metric models probably value him decently well. If I just look at Austin Hayes real quick on baseball savant, um, you know, he's a guy that usually grades out pretty poorly uh, in outs above average. Uh, yeah. So this year he's 42nd percentile, 13th percentile outfielder jump. Um, I would wager to say that the Orioles put him in left field and they, their internal metrics suggest that he's at least average at the position. Uh, of course, he has, I, I would say, an elite arm. He has, let's say, plus-plus arm strength. And on top of that, it's a really good and a really accurate arm. And he has tons of outfield assists. So I think even by um, public metrics, I think if we were to look at, you know, baseball savants, fielding leaderboard, if we do fielding run value, Orioles here. Yeah, Austin Hayes has a positive fielding run value, and it's entirely due to his arm and how good it is and how many outfield assists he gets and, and just how he contributes defensively in that way. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome that he's back on a tear. I don't know how long his future is with the Orioles. I don't know if it will, you know, run all the way to free agency or – um, if it will end this off season or next off season or any, or any point in between, but I'm just glad that he's getting hot at the right time. And that hopefully that will go into the playoffs with a, um, with a hot and healthy Austin Hayes. Um, yeah. A couple of quick notes on Jack Flaherty. I feel like, um, it would be very easy to give up. Um, or on Flaherty right now. Um, I know things haven't been great so far. You know, he has a 641 ERA with the Orioles. Um, however, I do think there are some encouraging signs. The strikeout rate is up. The walk rate is a little bit down. His stuff plus has increased by about six or seven points since he came to the Orioles. So, and his pitch mix um, his pitch usage has kind of changed pretty significantly from start to start. So I think that just goes to show um, that the Orioles are working with him. They are tweaking him. And I think he he has flashes. Like even 
you know, in, in his weekend start against the Rockies, you know, the first three innings, he looked pretty, pretty awesome. And I think there are tweaks going on. I think this is a guy the Orioles got in part because they believed in their ability to tweak him. So I feel like, um, I feel like each start is honestly one to keep a close eye on just to see how, um, what pitcher shows up on the mound and what changes have been made. You know, I think a, an interesting thing is that we've seen, you know, the, the changeup usage kind of fluctuate a bit with the Orioles. You know, I know against Houston, he didn't use it at all. Uh, against Colorado, he used it up to 10% of the, just about 10% of the time. Um, and all of those were thrown against lefties. You know, if we just look at how much he used it against lefties, he threw the changeup about 20% of the time almost, which is close to a season high. Um, so I think there are tweaks going on, and I still believe in Jack Flaherty. Um, at the end of the day, his start against the Rockies was still, you know, it was a fine start um, and one that gave us a good chance to win. So I, I think, you know, I'm not trying to be blindly optimistic, but I do think there are reasons to believe why he'll get better. And the last note I wanted to uh, wrap this episode up on is just looking at D.L. Hall because it is so great to see him back and um, to see him have his velocity again. Um, his velocity is back to being as, as good as ever. Um and I also think he's changed a bit as a pitcher. What we've seen um, in the past month or so. So essentially, um, since he got shut down, I, it looks like they made a tweak to his slider while he was shut down. Um, it added a, a few inches of vertical drop, and they reduced the horizontal movement. Not quite a, a gyro slider, but... Um, Previously, he actually had a really, really horizontal slider. Uh, not really sweepy, but but it had a lot of horizontal movement. And I think they they wanted to turn it maybe a little bit more into a, a, a true slider, a normal slider. And so, yeah, it you know previously the previous iteration of the fastball, at least by Stuff Plus, graded out extremely well as a, as a plus plus pitch and um this tweak slider grades out equally well i actually think they had the exact same stuff plus grade um they also changed the fastball shape a little bit it looks like because it has a little more run so it's got a little more arm side run um however his stuff plus on it dropped by about 20 points even though um the velocity was you know, over 97 on average, uh, which I'm a little skeptical on. The caveat on that is that that was a really small sample size. So that was just based on Stuff Plus for his one inning outing um, a few days ago. And yeah, so we'll see how it is. You know, even if this slightly adjusted fastball still grades out at about 100 on Stuff Plus, I would wager that it's actually better than a league average fastball as that would suggest because i mean it's 97 from the left side with decent run 
you know, it's not like he turned it into a flatter fastball into, you know, a fastball with less movement. Um, and at the end of the day, if these tweaks help him throw more strikes, I think that's really going to be the key for him um, sticking in the big leagues and being a successful contributor for the Orioles. Um, and yeah, it's just really encouraging to see that the slider and the changeup look as good as ever. And uh, really each looks like a plus pitch. Um, again, the caveat is that any stuff plus number I just rattled off for the hall was based off his one inning outing. Uh, but I'm just super excited to see him back. It's really, really cool to see him and Grayson on the big league staff. Um, and yeah, uh, I, Always welcome any questions that anybody might have, and I will do my best to try to answer them. Uh, so yeah, feel free to, to send in any questions. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. I will release the next episode in a couple of weeks. And yeah, have a good one. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.